Okay, um, my name is uh, Dr. Nick Nation, and I'm a uh, board-certified veterinary practice with, uh, uh, practitioner with a uh, private practice in animal pathology in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. And I, um, my past uh, experience, I worked in the Alberta Agriculture Diagnostic System for 16 to 17 years, and then uh, left Alberta Agriculture to go to uh, University of Alberta, where I worked as a veterinary pathologist in the Faculty of Medicine's lab animal facility. I eventually became uh, director of the uh, lab animal facility for five years. And uh, during that time also, I was a um, partner in a private veterinary laboratory here in Edmonton. So uh, got about 40 years of experience as a, a veterinary pathologist. So the intent of this series of notes and of this particular talk is to uh, present to the practitioner uh, the basics of uh, veterinary diagnostic work so that this can be uh, performed uh, in the clinic in terms of the gross postmortem examinations of animals. So the um, the overall approach I want to take is to uh, talk about the uh, gross postmortem examination uh, performed uh, in in clinic or uh, in the field by the practitioner, and then uh, discuss how how the services of uh, these uh, other labs can be accessed. But first, it's quite important to um, to to think about why uh, one might go about conducting a necropsy examination. And it, it's there are a number of reasons for for doing a necropsy, and in each particular case, it's a good idea to have in mind exactly what your reason is before you start. And of course, the the perhaps number one cause or or number one reason is to determine the cause of death of an animal and um, to, uh, uh, particularly in cases of sudden or unexplained uh, death, to uh, to try and determine a diagnosis and to uh, get some assessment what the etiology is and, and what the threat is to the flock or the herd if, if we're dealing with uh, food-producing animals or um, or horses. Another very useful reason in, in clinical uh, veterinary medicine is to, um, to uh, confirm or uh, clarify or uh, even correct a clinical diagnosis, and um, to uh, to assist in in making sure that the uh, clinician was on the right track in uh, treatment of the animal, in terms of improving uh, practice down the road, and um, or or confirming that uh, um, the diagnosis was was correct and in interpretation of clinical signs and uh, antemortem. Uh, tests that were performed were um, uh, was was uh, correct. Um, the uh, additional or an additional cause, or, or sorry, an, an additional reason for uh, doing a postmortem is to uh, clarify um, uh, the diagnosis in uh, any number of uh, conditions in in which there are uh, very similar. Uh, differentials available. For for example, if you um, if you had a, a neurologic uh, disease in uh, sheep or cattle, 
there are really a number of conditions such as lead poisoning, uh, polioencephalomalacia, listeriosis that um, would have very similar clinical signs and and um, the postmortem examination and ancillary tests following from that are really important in increasing the accuracy of uh, that particular diagnosis. One of the other reasons for conducting a postmortem, again, particularly in uh, food animal uh, production medicine, is to uh, see what other conditions are uh, potentially present in the herd. The animal that has died is often seen by the owner as a loss, uh, an economic loss, uh, and in the case of a small animal, of course, a, an emotional loss. But the the loss can actually be used, uh, particularly in, in food production medicine, to uh, gain some more information, to, to turn that loss into at least some uh, some useful information in, in terms of the herd. And so um, the, the necropsy examination can be used not only to determine the cause of death of the animal, but to also uh, check levels of parasitism. Uh, to obtain samples for trace mineral analysis, uh, to assess the um, nutritional status of the, the body, body condition, uh, and uh, follow up a, a number of uh, uh, these types of things, which would be uh, very useful in terms of assessing um, background, uh, low levels of, of disease or uh, nutritional uh, deficiencies and balances. Uh, toxicities in that particular herd, and so um, the uh, the dead animal in that regard can be considered as um, as a, an asset, or can be turned into an asset in providing uh, production information for the herd. And then, of course, um, there is another reason which is falls into the realm of of um, uh, the public good, and 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 this is one of those that has perhaps uh, fallen uh, not by the wayside, but at least uh, not providing us with the information that we needed, uh, and, and that is the um, uh, to, file, uh, to, to compile provincial or national records of animal disease, and uh, these are these are very useful in in terms of uh, international trade and interprovincial uh, trade, and and this aspect that has somewhat suffered from the um, from the reduction in uh, gross postmortem services that have been available through provincial governments. There are a number of other um, reasons, and uh, I'm not going to go into all of them because they're they are in the in the notes that are available. Uh, but I just would like to point out um, one additional one, which is to obtain forensic or legal information. This is perhaps becoming a little bit more important, and um, part of the reason is that um, there has been a, a greater awareness in the policing community of um, an, animal abuse being a marker or uh, an indicator that, that a person may be uh, developing uh, psychopathic uh, or sociopathic tendencies. And so uh, cases of abuse or um, uh, of uh, deliberate infliction of, of cruelty or pain on animals are 
I find being much more aggressively investigated by police agencies. And so um, uh, the uh, the practitioner needs to be aware of that that uh, a proper uh, postmortem examination is really important in these cases to uh, either provide evidence uh, that abuse has occurred or to indicate that um, uh, some other cause of um, uh, death or or um, debility is is present. And then. Um, just want to digress for a minute and uh, talk um, briefly about uh, the tools that that you would use for a postmortem examination. And the um, the tools for postmortem examination in either large or small animals uh, are not expensive, and readily available, and and not particularly complex. In fact, um, I often joke that uh, in in my practice, I probably buy uh, as much equipment from Canadian Tire as I do from the um, uh, the Western uh, Drug Distribution Center. Um, the uh, for a large animal uh, postmortem kit, um, a good quality postmortem knife with a, a steel and um, uh, a, um, a sharpening block is really critical. Rib cutters, which um, are are quite easily Bought from a uh, garden supply place, the um, uh, the heavy-duty uh, tree limb cutters are are just fine for uh, cutting ribs on on most uh, production animal species, and um, uh, the other requirements are uh, good protective clothing, uh, the heavy uh, latex gloves, which uh, you can uh, either buy in bulk or uh, you can even use the latex uh, kitchen type gloves that are available in in all grocery stores one one note about um, uh, coveralls in large animal practice there's a tendency to uh, uh, cut off the sleeves on uh, on coveralls to keep them so that the practitioner has uh, more freedom of movement for uh, their arms and, and particularly if they're doing um, uh, rectal examinations and have a sleeve a rubber sleeve then um, often there's a desire to to cut the sleeve off the uh, coveralls for postmortem work the uh, sleeves should be intact on the coverall so that the gloves can uh, go up and and over the sleeve uh, of the coveralls and and provide a protective barrier the gloves can be kept in place um, with tape but uh, i actually find that a uh, that a thick rubber band is uh, just above the wrist is actually all that's needed to uh, keep the gloves uh, securely in place over top of the coveralls and and um, provide a barrier. Uh, rubber boots, uh, of course, are are important, uh, particularly in field work, but also if you're working in a in um, uh, the back of a clinic and and uh, have quite a lot of blood and water to contend with and uh, very often um, a, a butcher's apron uh, is, is useful to wear as well although if you're uh, doing postmortems on animals that are lying on the ground sometimes the apron can be uh, more of a, a disadvantage than uh, than advantage but uh, but certainly if you're working with animals on a uh, large animals on a, a table then uh, 
uh, an apron certainly helps uh, keep the coveralls clean and provides a protective barrier and is also uh, much easier to clean up. So um, I found over the years that um, uh, this combination of um, uh, gloves uh, covering the uh, coveralls at the wrist and and uh, an apron with boots is is for general protection is uh, quite adequate, uh, even against uh, some of the common zoonoses, as long as um, one is uh, is careful in in cleaning up. And um, the the problem in diagnostic practice is that when you're dealing with a zoonosis, uh, you may not actually have an indication of that. Um, not even necessarily at the time of the postmortem. Uh, it may it might not become apparent until results of bacteriology or other tests have come back from a, a reference lab. And so uh, protecting yourself ahead of time is uh, uh, is very important. Of course, if um, rabies is uh, at all suspected or the clinical uh, uh, signs would uh, suggest rabies as one of the differential diagnoses, if you're going to handle an animal yourself, uh, full face protection is also um, advisable. And um, the, uh, the types of plexiglass um, face protection that are used by um, by stonemasons and uh, uh, people in, in uh, similar types of uh, businesses are are quite adequate for uh, protection in uh, performing a postmortem. In in terms of uh, equipment for small animal uh, postmortem examination, it's um, uh, it's also fairly simple. Good pair of uh, medicine balm scissors, um, probably a, a pair of straight ones and curved ones. Uh, tooth forceps, uh, not uh, flat forceps, tooth forceps, and I'll I'll go into the reason why you want tooth forceps a little later. Um, and um, uh, a scalpel, uh, probably a number 20 to 22 blade is most useful. I know that there's been a, a, a move in the last uh, uh, several years in small animal surgery to go to, to much smaller blades, and the number uh, 10 and 11 blades are fairly common. But for post-mortem work, a, um, uh, a number 20 or 22 blade is is uh, perhaps a little uh, a little better. Also, uh, rib cutters, which um, uh, for uh, Large dogs, such as um, the large breeds, Great Danes, and so on, uh, you can use the um, uh, the tree uh, clippers that I was mentioning for large animals. For um, for smaller uh, dogs, uh, rib cutters. You can use either uh, surgical bone cutters, or you can uh, uh, use the smaller um, uh, gardening shears that are available at uh, garden supply stores. The key with uh, any equipment for uh, postmortem examination is um, to use high quality equipment. There's a there's a psychological tendency to think that that animals that are uh, dead are uh, somehow um, uh, not deserving of good equipment, and so uh, very often the postmortem kit will consist of the broken scissors, the broken surgical scissors, or uh, a dull knife, or 
um, uh, other other equipment that that uh, has run its uh, useful life in the clinic and is just tossed into the PM kit. In actual fact, the um, the approach towards uh, tissues at necropsy should be that uh, these are uh, are the equivalent of surgical specimens. They should be handled and treated as a sample or a, an organ that uh, uh, that could be um, uh, a surgical uh, sample in a living animal and and uh, uh, treated that way. And so, uh, sharp scissors, sharp knives, um, proper um, uh, proper um, equipment, and and high quality equipment uh, pays off in um, uh, in the long run in in much better. Uh, Tissue work much easier to do and much less frustration in um, in handling the um, uh, the, the postmortem, particularly if a practitioner is, is doing a lot. Thanks very much, Nick, for that. Um, and now I'm joined by Maria Spinato from the AHL, um, who's also a pathologist. And um, what I'd like to ask you, Maria, is when should you not do your own postmortem? Thanks very much, Melanie. So uh, I guess there's a variety of circumstances under which it would be a, a good idea to get either a third party or um, perhaps an expert at a diagnostic lab who's uh, trained in medical legal postmortems because we do certainly see a significant number of uh, OSPCA cases that are referred to the diagnostic laboratory. And those are, are quite unique, um, specialized cases that require uh, some background in forensic pathology. So that is one circumstance under which it's certainly critical to perhaps refer a postmortem to another location. Another reason why a practitioner might refer a postmortem is for a situation such as an anesthetic death or a possible dispute with a client where the client believes that some veterinary intervention has caused either disease or death of his particular animal. In fact, under a CVO guidelines, the veterinarian is actually obliged after an anesthetic death to offer a third-party postmortem to the client. The client can refuse, and the veterinarian can then go ahead with his own postmortem, but it is actually a, a contravention of um, CVO guidelines if that veterinarian does not at least offer a third-party postmortem. And I think the final reason is any circumstances under which a veterinarian just doesn't feel comfortable performing the postmortem if they don't feel they have the expertise or if it's a unique case. Uh, it, it is, we do see, unfortunately, at the laboratory, some situations where a veterinarian has started the postmortem and then found rather rapidly that either the um, particular circumstances are beyond his capability or he suspects a more uh, medical legal issue may arise and they forward that open carcass to the lab. And certainly we do the best we can with that particular case, but it does complicate the findings, and there's issues with continuity of evidence as well under such circumstances. So I, I would say that those are certainly some of the circumstances under which a veterinarian might be more comfortable referring the animal for postmortem. Thanks very much, Maria. That's great. Uh, Nick, did you have any other further comments to add? No, no. Actually, I agree. Those were the um, uh, the two situations that uh, that I 
uh, had noted here as perhaps being uh, should uh, ones that should be referred to another agency. Just um, one comment, though. Certain government agencies um, do not take legal cases. And um, I know in Ontario that uh, that's not a problem. In other provinces, it might be. And so uh, it would be best to check with your referral lab first uh, to make sure they will accept legal cases. And then, if not, um, there are... Uh, a number of specialists across the country who, who can do this work and um, it's best perhaps to contact the local uh, veterinary um, association because they will they will have a registry of such individuals. Yeah.